When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. This week we have all MLB team candidates announced. MLB is suing insurance providers. What? And Jason and I are going to go through the worst transactions in baseball right now. Nine Plus Us presents the Baseball Together Podcast with your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Briggy Blue Eyes. And now, Baseball Together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Baseball Together Podcast, Baseball Family. I am Brad. This week, Brig is out. So I am joined by my friend and yours, Jason D'Agostino. Welcome, Jason. Hey, Brad. How's it going? Uh, it, it's going. I mean, you've noticed my struggles already, but I think we're going to make <laughs> it through. I think we'll be okay. I think so. But too. hey, let's get into this. There's quite, a, there's quite a bit going on this week. I was a little bit surprised. Um, mostly, it's litigation. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this week. But first things first, things first we had the all MLB team candidates announced. Not the final teams. Those will be announced on Wednesday. But Jason, I want to know from you, was there anybody on this list, any of those candidates that surprised you at all? No, in looking at the candidates, I don't think anyone really stood out to me as a shocker, especially when you look at, at stats and numbers everyone who's on here deserves to be on here. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously there's people that I personally would like to see on here, um, <laughs> but you can't argue with some of these people who are on this list. I mean, I may not like Freddie Freeman, but I think Freddie Freeman definitely has a case to be on the all MLB team for this past season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely does. And especially as an MVP, he's going to, he has to be on there. You would think, right? You would think, but there's a case for Jose Abreu though, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, but the one guy I was actually really glad to see, I kind of scrolled down to the shortstop was to, uh, I was happy to see Fernando Tatis Jr. on the list. I don't know that he's going to get it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. Cause the other guy I would think he would get, it would be Corey Seager. But like right there on the, on the page, we're looking at the score.com right there. They have Corey Seager had a war of 1.9 and Tatis at a war of 2.9. So that makes me think that he's probably going to be the one who will get it, which I'd be fine. I'm a big fan of the guy. I love him. I love watching him. I just don't know if he was necessarily the one. Because Corey Seager, I mean, take out the postseason even, he, he was a big part of the, the Dodgers' success. Well, let me ask this. Why did you think uh, Fernando would was a surprise on the list? I mean, with the season he had, it, it makes sense that he would be in the consideration. It does. It does make sense for the consideration. Um, my only thought was because he's so young. He's in his second, second year in the league was all. I can see that, but I mean, the, the, the way he played this season and, and really how he, he anchored that Padres team. I mean, he was even mm-hmm. in consideration for the NL's MVP. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's, like I, like I said, I, I scrolled down to see if specifically he was on it. I was, a, like I said, a little bit surprised, but 
also happy that he was for that reason, right? Like, I'm glad that he was there because I do feel like he's deserving, but mostly because he's so young while I was like, oh, wow, he made it already, already in consideration. But I, I would be surprised now looking at the war if, if he does end up getting it, if he's on the all MLB team. I mean, if we're, if let's go down to outfielders, if we're talking strictly war, you're looking at Harper, Springer, mm-hmm. and Conforto. Yeah. Well, those guys are the low on the low end. I mean, you've got Mookie Betts at three. He's he's a shoe in. He's obviously going to get it there. Um, Ronald Acuna Jr. at two point four. Uh, I would think he would probably be there. Juan Soto. Trout's like at two point six. Yeah, and <laughs> and I, I feel like Trout is a guy who you can give the MVP to every year, and you can just shoe him in for all, all MLB. Like, like, there's only two other guys who are going to make make the All MLB in the outfield. You know, so yeah, I think Juan Soto had so a, good. Sorry, go ahead. I think it's a lag. No, no, no. Cutting you off. <laughs> no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> but I think Juan Soto had he had a sneaky good year. But yeah, I don't think he's going to be able to get in because you pointed out Mike Trout. You got Mookie Betts, who is like far and away. Just I mean, he, Freddie Freeman deserved the MVP, but if they're not going to give it to him, they've got to give it. They had to have given it to Mookie Betts, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, so I think you've got him. And then Acuna Jr., I think if it came down to him and Soto, because Acuna had more, I feel like had more of a contribution to a good team, he would probably get it over him. I definitely think with what you're saying with Atlanta compared to Washington this season, yeah, Acuna would definitely get the nod over Soto because, like you said, he put in a kind of sneaky under-the-radar season, but the Nats weren't really the Nats of 2019. Well, they were. They were the Nats of the beginning of the 2019 season, but not the end of it. <laughs> yeah, See, they needed more than 60 games to get going last year. <laughs> so so just kind of straight off topic, and, and, and you know that's what I do sometimes. Um, I feel like the Nats are – next year is going to be a test, but I feel like this season it was almost like they won that World Series and they were spent. Like they were yeah. almost hung over from winning the World Series. I could see that. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, they they didn't bring back Rendon, which is you know only one guy, but it, it feels like he probably had more of an influence, like more of a presence in that clubhouse than what anybody actually gave him credit for. And I think a lot of people overlook the the what someone does for a clubhouse. I think it's easy to overlook that compared to to stats and on field play. Um, so yeah, I can understand how that could play a role in that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. And it, it's, I feel like that's sometimes more important for a clubhouse than what a guy does on the field. Cause the teams will keep a guy on the roster because simply because of, of the glue that he is in the clubhouse, if he's not necessarily even contributing on the field, you know? Well, I think, um, not not saying this guy wasn't contributing for either the Mariners or or the Phils, but I can look at a Jamie Moyer and see he's the kind of guy who can bring a clubhouse together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was a he was in the league till he was like what, like fifty, something like that. Almost, yeah. And he, I, I mean, know he, he wasn't he, winning games that whole time. <laughs> no, he joined the Mariners as a thirty-three-year-old, so. <laughs> Keep that into, into your mind. That's true. And it felt like he was there for a good 20 years. So how old was he when he got with the, 
<laughs> I think he was 48 when they won the World Series. So I, that actually sounds correct. It actually <laughs> sounds like it's probably right. But anyway, speaking of old players, and <laughs> so, so I this is one of the reasons that I fight for the DH is because it, it keeps old older players in the league because you can you can bat around for longer than you can play in the field as long as you can hit the ball, right? Right. And so we've seen guys stick around the league. Like Nelson Cruz is 40 years old and he was the agent last year. So what we're going to see this year is it doesn't look like we're going to be, be having a universal DH in 2021. Um, MLB came out and said that it's, it's probably not going to happen. Don't really need it because they're looking to play a full 162 this year, which, I mean – Right, both my fingers here. Right? <laughs> so, I think I think they're trying to shoot for as much normalcy as possible this next year. But then we have the end of the 2021 season. The CBA expires, the collective bargaining agreement, and then we can go back to Universal DH forever. I mean, how do you feel about that, Jason? Would you want a Universal DH? Did you like it this year? So, I think we, me and you, had talked about this privately a few times. I was not really on board with the universal dh going into the season uh because i i like the strategic differences uh for the nl and the al especially in interleague and playoff games uh but now that we've had it for 60 games i don't hate it anymore i'm not against the idea and i think mm -hmm. it brings a whole new strategic element to the nl that can be beneficial in the long run yeah and my big argument is it levels the playing field for free agents because Nelson Cruz was not even going to consider making any decisions on where he was going to play next year until he found out about the university age because he's not going to go to a national league team. He can't play outfield anymore. Right. You know, he, he's up there to hit home runs and he'll probably hit 30 or 40 next year because he's huge and that's what he does, but he, he's not going to go to any, any team that's going to make him play the outfield. Marcelo Zuna. I mean, he was, a godsend for the Braves this year is a DH. Like that is like his position now, and the Braves are like, "Geez, we could use a DH. Can we move the AL now?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> but, yeah, I th I think there was there were more positives from the universal DH than I think people like me probably expected. Because I know I'm not the only person who had misgivings about it at the time. Well, my regular co-host is one of them, and it's still one of them. Um, would rather see the DH go the way of the world. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so we had MLB this year. We talked a few weeks ago about how MLB said that they lost 3.1 billion with big fat B, 3.1 billion dollars uh, because there were no fans in the stands. Well, now it looks like they're going. They were trying to go collect that money from their insurance policies that they bought but the insurance companies are not paying out. And I was like, well, yeah, insurance companies are going to insurance company, right? I mean, right. They're not going to want to pay that. <laughs> so I'm not surprised. Are you, I was more surprised by the fact that they were trying to sue their insurance companies. So um, I, I have thoughts on MLB and a lot of the, the team's ownerships talking about money losses this season. Um, and I can't believe I'm going to agree with Scott Boris on anything. Um, 
but he's right in the sense that MLB's revenue is not generated by ticket sales. Like, like the NH- the NHL is a perfect example of a, of a, a league that's revenues generated in ticket sales. Right. MLB has had amazing TV deals for the last 30 years, ever since they first went to CBS in 1990. And I think they, they signed the first billion dollar deal. Mm-hmm. In, yeah, in sports well, television. You've got history. 162 games. You've got 162 regular season games to collect money on. That is a ton. That's a ton of games. It is. And then just on, on my personal level, being a Phil's fan, last season after they signed Harper, they signed a huge deal with NBC Sports Philadelphia, or I think just NBC Sports in general, multi billion dollars for multiple seasons to carry the games. So it's not like. MLB is really hurting per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, so I read this article about the lawsuit and then I was scrolling down. I immediately saw the Scott Boris one, like right under it. I was like, Oh, let's see what Scotty B has to say. And he said, I mean, you alluded to this. He said that teams didn't lose any money that they, they made up all of the money that they paid for basically putting on the season and paying players. They made that all up with TV revenue, TV revenue, um, during the regular season and especially the postseason, which we saw how much money MLB brought in on that, on that TBS deal for the playoffs. That right. was, that was a lot. There were a lot of zeros. Let's say that a lot of zeros. <laughs> um, and I mean, you've got guys who did make quite a bit of money this year. I'll say that, you know, Mike Trout had a big contract. Bryce Harper had a big contract. Mookie Betts had a big contract and it was, and they were, but they were prorated, but MLB got paid for the postseason like it was any regular year. So I'm not sure what, I mean, it doesn't seem like looking at that, it doesn't seem like it adds up, right? Right. Yeah, so I see what you're saying. And and Scott Boris could just be meddling like he does, you know, because he's got guys who need to get paid, of course. But, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, he's not he's not a BSer. I mean, he will play the game obviously to get his guys contracts, but he knows money. Let's not act like he doesn't know the money game of baseball. Yeah. That's a, that's like the part of baseball that he knows. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. I mean, those four yeah. years in the minors back in the seventies didn't teach him anything. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it sometimes. But. <laughs> No, yeah, he definitely understands the money side of it. And he knows the teams to go to who have who have the money are willing to spend it. You know? Um, and so I think I do think he is aware to some level that, yeah, no, they didn't lose any money. But I, I said back then though, when we initially talked about this, I was like, there's an easy fix to this. There's like two groups buy in two new teams, say the buy in amount is one point five billion, which doesn't seem outrageous right now. Right. Given what teams have been going for and if you are down 3.1, you're pretty much even at that point. So, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. I thought definitely going to be something to keep an eye on going forward, though, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. See baseball's potential money was. But let's go into the last couple of things here. First, we have the Rangers hired a GM. They hired former pitcher Chris Young. Uh, Chris Young actually came up with the Rangers and made his debut pitch for them for a little while. And I actually saw the name and saw the picture. I was like, gosh, I think he pitched for the Mariners. And he did. He ended his career with the Mariners. And I was like, oh, yes, one of those guys. I knew it. Um, <laughs> but my other thought was, 
they brought in this guy who has worked uh he was in the mlb front office um but he has not worked in a team front office as like assistant gm assistant to the gm as far as i know uh but they brought him as a gm and i was like okay you bring in one of your own guys so he knows the franchise but you got co epstein on the market and you're pretty fresh right i mean I can see. I can see the wheels turning. Jason, go ahead. Well, I feel like Epstein's kind of made it pretty clear he's not. He wants some time away from baseball. I mean, he's kind of he's outright said it, and that could be bluffing. Um, but I mean, we've seen how guys, even even guys coming in as just managers, have been able to sell themselves really hard to these teams, especially with the major push for all analytics. Um, it doesn't surprise me that that this guy got the GM job with the Rangers just strictly based on what we've seen over the last few years in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I was, I was also thinking just, it could be Theo Epstein saying there is not a position open right now that I want to fill. Could be, I want to step away from baseball for a year, reevaluate in August, say, okay, these places are probably going to have an opening of those, which, would I rather go to? Because he can write his ticket. Right. Pretty much anywhere he wants to go, somebody's going to hire him. In fact, you might have a situation somewhere with like what the Angels had, where um, Brad Osmus was doing his thing, managing the Angels. He'd only been there for one year. Then Madden, and there's rumors that Joe Madden's available and they fire Osmus so they can bring in Madden. You know, that some team might be like, well, our GM's fine, but he's not Theo Epstein. You're out the door, you're in, let's do this. Right. Um, if I was Epstein, I mean, the place I'd, the place I'd probably go would be the Mets anyway. I mean, they're, they're looking to win now. They're looking to spend. Mm-hmm. Kills yeah, me to say that. probably be the best fit. <laughs> I know. I know. And the weird thing is like, I don't really have anything against the Mets, but I don't necessarily like them. But they're, they're the definitely going to be, <laughs> yeah, they're the Mets. They met the bed all the time. Um, but <laughs> But no, I do think that uh, they're going to be an interesting team to follow with new ownership, a bunch of money to spend. Uh, they're going to be somebody interesting to follow. And yeah, it could be, could be where Theo Epstein ends up for making them even, even more watchable. So keep an eye on it. All right, last thing here, last thing here, Jason, before we go to break. Family Guy, at it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I haven't watched Family Guy in a long time, but it, it's so funny. I love it. Um, made a dig at the Astros. Uh, they did a mock ESPN 30 for 30 and they showed, <laughs> you know, it was, what was it, the voiceover saying something about like, it's not sure who, who led the, the trash can beating ring, but <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> but then they panned a shot of the team and they showed Oscar the Grouch in a trash can. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it is. It is so good. It's so funny. Like oh my gosh, I was I was cracking up. It's it's too good. I'm gonna include the link to the tweet and the doobly doo. And if you're watching on uh, on YouTube, I'm gonna try to get it on the on the video there because man, it's funny. It's good. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. I don't know. It's funny. I just want to bring it up. <laughs> it, it was so such. Good. It was such a. No, it was really well done. Um, <laughs> I, I loved. I loved how the guy who represented the Dodgers in the 30 for 30 looked exactly like Kirk Gibson, just with a little bit more hair in the top. (laughs) (laughs) 
He had to. He had to. <laughs> but I mean, it was it was a really well done gag and a great baseball reference. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing that Family Guy does really well when they make a reference to something outside of their little world. They do it really well. They do a good job with it, and it was funny. It was really good. But on that note, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about our three worst transactions in baseball. No matter which ballpark you're at, you want to rep your team. Now you can with 9 Plus Us. Welcome to the Big City Series. With every design available in your team's colors, you can fit in with the home crowd or stand out on the road. Either way, we have the colors you crave. Shop the Big City Series and find designs that rep your favorite baseball podcast cheer from the cheap seats and much more shop the big city series only at nine plusus.com welcome back baseball family so i totally forgot jason i'm so sorry but jason has his own podcast the not another sports podcast where he and his friend david talk just general sports in three periods and it's a, it's a good lesson go check it out um after you listen to this episode be sure to go Give a listen, give them a, a subscribe. So, well, thank you very thank much you again for joining me, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get into this. So, I, as a Mariners fan, I've seen years and years and years of like trades and signings gone bad, trades gone bad. And so, I was like, you know what? Let's talk about bad transactions. Jason, go ahead and share with me your first. And these are in no particular order, we're not ranking these or anything. It's just Go ahead and share, me, share with me one of the bad transactions you wanted to talk about today. Okay, well, let's talk about a heartbreaker uh, for my beloved and horrible Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's talk about when the Phils traded away Larry Boa and Ryan Sandberg for Ivan De Jesus from the Cubs. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> now, in all honesty, so looking back, it's a terrible trade. For the Phil, De, Jesus, yeah. De Jesus was never a, a standout player. He had great speed, but his numbers were never great numbers. Right. Uh, but the problem with Sandberg was there was no upward mobility for him to get onto the big show because they had Manny Trejo, who was part of that 1980 team the whole reason the trade happened was because Larry Boa was in a contract dispute with general manager, Paul Owens at the time. Mm. And it was getting contentious and it was starting to become an issue in the locker room. So they put Boa up on the block. The only team interested in the trade for Boa was the Cubs. No one else was interested in Boa because he was in his mid thirties and he was showing signs of wear and tear. Mm -hmm. Um, The Cubs GM at the time was Dallas green who in 1980 was the Phil's manager who led them to the world series. Who did Dallas green see in their farm system? In the Cubs farm system, in the Phil's farm system, on the farms and the Phil's. Uh, I don't know. Tell me Ryan Sandberg, Ryan Ryan Sandberg. There it is. I should have (laughs) known. I thought maybe there was somebody else. And he was like, Oh, instead of Sandberg. No, no, no. He wanted Sandberg specifically in that trade. The trade was more for Sandberg than it was for Boa. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's all right. <laughs> and it's not that the Phils didn't know what they had in them. They just didn't have upward mobility for him. Yeah, and that's no the problem. 
that's a that is like I would say that is like one of the very few problems with the minor league system is that you stack, you stack, you stack, you stack because you don't know if you're going to have an injury. You don't know if somebody's going to leave free agency or if you're going to have to trade somebody eventually. So you've got to stack behind those, those Hall of Famers, All-Stars. And then eventually it's like, well, we got to make a move, but we have somebody in the farm system who can like fetch like, you know, a hall. You got to make the move and then they end up being a Hall of Famer. It's a bummer, but it happens. Yeah, it's not something you, know? you can expect to happen. Obviously, Sandberg was an amazing player and a, and a tremendous cub um, mm-hmm. and clearly deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, really, I think the Phils on paper, just they had to get rid of Boa. It was it was just not, yeah. as we stated earlier, the presence in the clubhouse can make or break things. And this mm-hmm. was one of those situations. Yeah, that's unfortunate. You know, <laughs> I always chuckle when I hear Ryan Sandberg because um, I was first introduced to him um, because you know how when you're you're a kid and you have the signature in your glove, in your ball glove. Yeah. His that's his was in my glove. Is Ryan? Oh, Sandberg. that's cool. So I had no idea who the guy was because I didn't have any of his baseball cards for obvious reasons. And so my dad would watch Cubs games on WGN all the time, and uh, and I was just sitting there watching. I heard Ryan Sandberg. I was like, oh, I was like that's the guy in my glove. He's like, what? So I grabbed his phone. He's like, sure enough, you know. So that was my first exposure to Ryan Sandberg, and I was probably I don't know, it was probably like. 92 93 something like that you know right yeah yeah that's a good one i like that <laughs> it's it's always so funny like the one that we're i will i'll spoil this right now the one that we're not going to talk about is babe Ruth, the deal from the red sox to the yankees um but it, it's obviously <laughs> not on that scale but the fact that you're trading a hall of fame a future hall of famer as like a secondary piece in a deal is always like oof, oof. <laughs> right exactly yeah all right i've got one so most of mine two of my three i'll be honest are our seattle mariners deals um in 2008 the mariners traded for eric bedard okay now this this is everybody the mariners sent to the orioles tony butler he's a minor leaguer adam jones that's right, the Adam Jones, um, Cam McColio, George Sherrill, and Chris Tillman. Tillman was not a bad player. Like I remember, I remember actually watching him coming up. Um, but seriously, Adam Stinkin' Jones, the dude is an all-star. And they traded him for Eric Bedard, who uh, now when and this was the thing that really like ticked me off with this deal was that the Mariners, when they made this deal, the GM, I, I don't even remember who he was at the time, was, um, and my window's not popping up. But anyways, he said specifically, we're bringing in Bedard because he's a guy who can eat innings. Like, really? You're bringing in Bedard. He traded away. Because the Mariners, I'm pretty sure, knew what they had with Adam Jones. The Orioles obviously did. Um, oh, it was uh, Bill Bavasi. He got fired um, not long after that deal because that deal was done in February and he was fired in, uh, in June. So yeah, not, not a good deal. And Bedard was like fine for the Mariners, but not, I would have rather had Adam Jones, like much rather have had Adam Jones and probably Tillman as well. It was, it was ridiculous. So like, obviously it still bugs me, 
still bugs me that deal but yeah. <laughs> anyway no i mean it makes sense jones was a five-time all-star four-time gold glove winner he was a mm-hmm. silver slugger i mean he has the goods and he had the goods um so yeah trading kind of goes back to the sandberg thing a little bit you're trading away someone who's good and mm-hmm. is going to continue to be good for an innings eater i mean yeah. not that an innings eater isn't an important role but was he worth those players in the long run well and it's not just an innings eater and, and for an all-star it was like there's like five guys that the, that the Mariners sent to the Orioles for an innings eater. Like, let's see here. You've got one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five guys that they sent for Bedard. And granted, he had a big contract at the time because the Orioles paid him. But man, unreal. And it's not surprising, like I said, the GM was fired just four months later. So, I don't know. It's- yeah, and it. And in looking at Jones's stats, I mean, the best was still yet to come with him. Oh yeah, yeah, he was still he was really young when the Mariners traded him, like really, really young, possibly maybe a little bit raw still, still. But obviously, he panned out. I mean, yeah, now yeah, he played this last year in Japan, but that's because he's old. Big deal. It's fine. Uh, uh, and, and knowing that old is like younger than me kills me. Okay, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know when I had that realization one day that like, uh, like Felix Hernandez, I want to say is like two weeks or two months younger than me. And when I was like, I made a joke about how he's old and washed up. I was like, oh, geez, then what am I? <laughs> so, uh, just staying on this, this old topic, um, a friend of mine on Facebook posted about um, uh, the, the, the Fred, the, the Fred, uh, no, God, I'm blanking on his name now, but someone had instructional videos. And it was like, oh, if only I had these instructional videos, I would have made it to the major leagues. Oh, Fred McGriff, those ones? Yes, thank you. Fred McGriff. I couldn't think of his last name. Um, (laughs) And I commented in in the comments, go, well, I had the Reggie Jackson ones from ESPN, and I'm just now wrapping up my major league career, you know, because I'm old. (laughs) That's good. I like that. Well, I always cracked up when I saw those videos, like the Fred McGriff ones, like at first, because it looks like they just took the same kid and like cloned him on the video and made him do like <laughs> just like played through of him doing the exact same because all the kids looked exactly the same. It looked like it was like somewhat of a military camp. They had their, their t-shirts that were tucked in real tight on their pants. They all had the same throw, you know, throwing the ball into the bucket in the infield. They all had the exact same swing, everything. I was like, at the time, you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh man, I need that. That's how I'm going to get to the big leagues. And then as I got older, I was like, that's freaking ridiculous. You don't need that. But <laughs> Having the Reggie Jackson, I mean, you could tell it was a payday. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Most things were for Reggie. Reggie like didn't that. care. He just wanted that money. Go <laughs> <laughs> make that paper. So. All right, Jason, go ahead with your next one. Uh, so in, in researching this topic, um, one that stood out to me, and it's, it's the classic metting the bed. Well, no, actually, it's the opposite of, the, of metting the bet, I should say. Um, R.A. Dickey to the Blue Jays for Noah Syndergaard. Mm. One of the few times the Mets actually got it right in a continuation of the Blue Jays making bad trades during that time period. Because who trades away Roy Halladay in his prime? <laughs> Apparently the Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> um. Obviously, I think at the time, the Blue Jays thought they were getting a great deal. 
because Dickey came off that really great 2012 season. He reinvented himself as a knuckleballer at the age of 37. But the problem with a 37-year-old knuckleballer is things can go downhill quick. Mm-hmm. And Dickey was never that 2012 Dickey again. That sounded awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, with Dickey, he actually came from Seattle, and then he went to Minnesota, and then he went to the Mets. I remember actually reading something about him before the 2008 season about, like, this guy, he's got, like, an 85-mile-an-hour knuckleball, and it's insane. You know, like, in Seattle, they were really high on Dickey, and I'm sure, I mean, I've got to look at but I'm sure that they traded him away for nothing, you know, a feature Cy Young Award winner, an all-star. Let's see, they, uh, and that was at 33. Yeah, so they actually lost him for nothing. Like, he, uh, Oh, no, they did trade him. They did trade him. Sorry. Um, nope. Nope. Sorry. That was traded to the Twins, traded for the, to the Mariners from the Twins, granted free agency, and then signed uh, with the Twins for a year. And then he went to the Mets. So, yeah. I mean, a guy who kind of bounced around. And then at that point, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I mean, he, I interrupted. no, no. I mean, he, he had – no, no, no worries. He had that great season in, in 2012. He was the Cy Young Award winner. But then after that season, he was an average pitcher, and batters kind of figured him out. And he wrapped up his career in 2018 after a, the 2017 season. He had a, a bounce-back season with the Braves to some degree. But at the same time, the Blue Jays gave up Syndergaard, who pre-Tommy John surgery was still a very good pitcher. Uh, his last season was in the four range, but he kind of stayed within that two to four area as far as ERA was concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's nicknamed Thor for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's an intimidating pitcher, which that's kind of a lost art to some degree. Now you don't see a lot of guys who are intimidating on, well, it's he's on huge. the mound. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I actually think post Tommy John surgery, he's going to come back to, to form just based on his work ethic alone yes but i feel bad for the guy because he has had issues staying healthy over the last few years he had like a pec issue and he had an oblique issue but he has such a violent delivery and he's so big and so strong that i'm not surprised but no i do think he'll come back from tommy john and if he has to reinvent himself again like you said his work ethic he's gonna do it right he'll be able to do it he you can't question his work ethic when you watch him him pitch and you listen to his interviews i mean the guy's dedicated yeah he definitely is yeah and i'm actually a huge fan of his for that reason that i think i think he's a a great player and when they were when they had him on the trade block was it last year two years ago i was like seattle sell the farm do what you got to do to get this guy because he's somebody who could anchor that staff and do a really good job and i would love he's now coming in with with veteran experience and he could help bring along some young guys and just be overall yeah. a plus for the clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, that, that does seem like a steal though, trading Dickey for Syndergaard, especially given like the, uh, um, the longevity of the career, because I mean, I guess you're looking at knuckleball. You're thinking this guy's 37. We could probably get eight more years out of him. Yeah. Right. But it didn't work out. Did not work out for him. So good on the Mets for actually making a good deal and not metting the bed. <laughs> All right. I have another one. 
So this one is actually a deal that um, almost led to me abandoning the Mariners as a fan. Because I'll be honest, I was like super sick of just like the repeated losing, the bad moves. And this is actually, um, let's see what year was it. I know who the GM was, but I got to, I got to double check my year on it just to make sure that I'm getting this right. So the GM was Jack Zarenzik. He actually replaced uh, Bavazi after he was fired. Um, okay. They brought him in, signed him in October 2008. Um, so let's see here. Cano, the Mariners signed him in, this, in December of 2013 as a free agent. And golly, if Jay-Z didn't walk into that room, which was like, pay the man. And that was like the end of it. Like they, they gave him everything. They paid him exactly what he wanted. He wasn't necessarily worth it, but they, they gave him everything. They gave him this massive contract. At the time, it was the biggest in baseball. And I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Yes, he's a power hitting second baseman. But there are so many other needs on this team than a power hitting second baseman. Absolutely unreal. They bring in Canelo thinking, oh, this guy, he's going to save the franchise. He's going to lead us to the promised land. No, no, not if you have that, that lineup. Like, he even went on, I think it was ESPN, because ESPN was providing, like, covering the Mariners because they had, because they had Robinson Cano. So they have, um, I want to say it was Buster only had, had Cano on during spring training. He goes, what do, you, what do you think of this team? He's like, well, we need a few more bats. Yeah, but can't afford to get them because they're paying you all the money in the world right and i was like yeah that's exactly the problem jack zarenzik who according to articles that i've read lied on his resume about his experience with baseball uh oh jesus <laughs> goes in there and says you know he's like i'm all about statistics i'm all about analytics and then come to find out they had he was there for like i want to say they fired him in 2014 something like that finally and they're just like, oh, he didn't know anything about what he was doing. He was learning on the job. And that's why we are in baseball purgatory. And then Scott Service finally comes in. Or um, Jerry DePoto, sorry. Those two were, came in together. Um, but DePoto comes in and he's like, we got to figure out a way to get out of this Cano deal. And then finally the Mets, the Mets eventually are just like, ah, we'll take him. <laughs> we like overpaid former superstars. Oh, he tested positive for PEDs? That's fine. He that's learned his lesson. <laughs> And he didn't, he didn't learn his lesson. And I just laughed, laughed. The Mariners aren't paying him anymore. Don't have him taking up a roster spot. So, so finally I got gotta, out from under it, but man, go ahead. I, I was going to say, so I got to, I got to admit here. I've never really been high in Cano. Uh, neither. All the hype, all the hype around him to me was undone in 2009, watching the Yankees play the Phils and seeing him compared to Chase Utley. Now I'm, I'm a huge Chase Utley fan, and I will own that. Um, but seeing the way the way both of them play the game, there was no way you could convince me he was better than Utley at that moment in time. Oh, I, I know. And I when I heard that he was asking all that money when he was a free agent, I was like, well, good luck. Nobody's going to pay you. Of course, my team's the only one dumb enough. And there was nobody even <laughs> else like knocking at the door. They were bidding against themselves. It was How like Dorenzik was like, well, we need a big name. This is the only guy on the market. Let's pay him. What are other teams offering? Nobody else is offering. Well, then let's give him what he wants. No. Negotiate, man. So you paid to do. And my thought is how much of that was just to get people in the stands because you had a big name? 
a lot of it was a lot of it was and you know i mean my dad bought in on it he bought a no t-shirt and i was just like ah, come on now <laughs> you know and, <laughs> and so i know there were people who did but a few years later we actually went to a game it would have been 2014 2014 because wilson was just born um we we're at a game and he struck out three times in a game against the yankees and every single time he struck out the lady behind us goes eight more years of this <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> that's a fan right there that is a yeah. diehard right there <laughs> yeah yeah just seriously i heard it three times the game eight more years of this but i mean i'll give him this he's a great defensive player he makes defense look easy i've said it before that defense is tough and he makes it look easy because that's what they said every time he made a play in seattle but, the only problem is there's just baggage that comes with him there is especially now and you don't want and at the time the yankees weren't bringing him back because they were worried about peds and they were like well if this is a concern this is something we have to deal with we don't want it that's why they let him walk and the yankees had enough issues with peds over the years too yeah so. yeah, they did. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry brig <laughs> <laughs> well we're gonna we're gonna get into a good reference here for brig make him happy about something we're talking about um in, in a few minutes but jason why don't you go ahead with your next one so my my next one is one i think that could be looked at almost through different time periods almost okay. so we're looking at bartolo cologne for cliff lee grady sizemore and brandon phillips so the reason i said that this could be almost looked at over a period of time is because one cologne had a long career yeah. And he's still playing now in Mexico. Not surprised. Cliff Lee was a former Cy Young whose career was cut short due to injury. Sizemore, another really good player, multi-time All-Star, career was cut short by injury. Phillips had the longest career of the three of them. He retired in 2018, three-time All-Star, multiple gold gloves. Career was the longest out of all of them, but still none of those guys outright lived up to the the hype that was surrounding them at one point or another, yet Cologne is still going strong. Yeah. So, so you're talking, um, are you talking Cliff Lee, Sizemore, and Phillips were traded from Cleveland? Yes. Okay. Well, and, and I know, I know all the women in Cleveland were very upset when Grady Sizemore was, was traded. Because at the <laughs> time, the Indians actually had a, had a sign out in center field that was uh there's a section called grady's ladies <laughs> grady was a good player like even though he what? was on the downside when he signed with the phils in 14 i'm like oh man like he's he still has something left and he had nothing left <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah no he, he was a really good player i liked him i liked watching him he he was yeah very good three-time all-star for a reason silver slugger two-time gold glove he's awesome yeah he was a very good player but I, just like with with cliff lee the injury bug and then mm. once that injury bug hits you you're you're fighting a different battle now yeah yeah you're never the same like we talked about it with ken griffey jr that he's once he once he got hurt in cincinnati he just never fully recovered and it and it torpedoed the second half of his career but it's the same thing with with sizemore and cliff lee but, and, and lee anchored some really bad phil's teams <laughs> did he <laughs> when he was there <laughs> You know, when it was, when it was, um, so it was Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay, and was it Dan Heron was the other guy? 
Roy okay. Oswald. That's right. It was Hamels and then Joe Blanton. Who I really like Joe Blanton. He was an innings eater, but he was a good innings eater when he was good. Maybe I'm thinking of uh, when it was Hamels. When it was Hamels, Lee, and Halliday. I called those guys the Holy Trinity. Because they were <laughs> so good. They were so good together. <laughs> there, There's a play that that Lee did in the 09 World Series that was just ridiculous. That behind the back line drive catch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he just made it look so easy. He made a lot of things look easy that he shouldn't have. Because he's just so, like, blasé about everything. <laughs> like, right. He made that. like, what the? He just, like, throws it around. <laughs> just another Tuesday, fellas. And it's just a shame that his career ended the way it did. I mean, he just, he never had a proper goodbye. He just kind of faded away. He did. And that was, that's true because he came to Seattle. The Mariners traded for him. And it was supposed to be him and Felix Hernandez. They were supposed to win the World Series that year. The man did everything go south real fast, like it usually does in Seattle. And by like May, he was demanding a trade. I think they traded him at at the deadline to the Rangers. Yeah, so he was he was with the Phils for a little mm-hmm. bit of 09. In 2010, he split the year between Toronto and the Mariners. And then he went to Texas for part of 2010. That's right. That's 11, 12, 13, and 14, he was with the Phils again. That's right. Yeah, the Mariners traded him to, to Toronto. And it was kind of like, uh, I guess we cut our losses on that one. Because he was like, he was not happy. He was not happy with the, the pitching coaches. He wasn't happy with the way the pitching staff, like like the work, the work ethic that like he was doing stuff. And Felix Hernandez was just like, what are you doing? You know, he, he'd tell him about like why he's doing something to like warm up and doing his bullpens or whatever. He's like, oh, I've never heard of that before. And, and Felix Hernandez actually credited him a lot with like helping him develop into the pitcher that he became because right. of the stuff that he taught him in that short little stint that he was there. But it, it shouldn't take a veteran coming in and be like, you guys are doing this all wrong. I'm going to do my own stuff to for somebody to learn that it was so bad <laughs> so bad it was run so poorly for so long oh <laughs> so frustrating they'll get there they will get there i i'm telling you man i said at the at the end of last year i said sometime this decade the mariners are going to win a world series and i stick by it i stick by it i mean i'm gonna say like i'm gonna narrow it down and say like i'm gonna say 2024 the mariners are gonna win a world series right now i'm saying it that's not unrealistic, though. I mean, they they have talent. Let's not act like they don't. They do. Um, they have a ton of talent. They have a lot of really good arms in the farm system right now, too, who they're, like, really babying and taking their time with to make sure they're ready when they come up. And that's what, that's what the farm system is supposed to do. Hopefully they don't mm-hmm. trade them away and get trade happy, which happens. We've seen it, it both of us. It does. Um, and that's that's one thing that, like, you see on, on Facebook and stuff with Mariners fans are like, like, especially Kyle Lewis, like, oh, well, he'll be a Yankee in two years. Like, no, DePoto has a plan, and he's part of it. These pitchers are part of this plan. Like, you can see right. that he knows what he's doing. He has probably even, like, an eight-year plan of, like, when guys are going to come up and when they're going to peak, who he's going to sign, who's he going to trade. Like, I think he's got it all planned out because it sure feels like it. And he probably does. I mean, if he's coming in with a game plan, he's going to make that happen. And I'm a firm believer that farm systems win championships. I totally agree. I mean, we saw it with the Astros. The Astros have been contenders for four years in a row now, three, four years in a row now, because of their farm system. Trash can notwithstanding. Trash can notwithstanding. That's right. 
But I mean, assuming they weren't cheating this year, you know, there wasn't a buzzer or whatever, like 162 game season, I could see them having won the West, coming in with a higher seed and making it to the World Series again. I could see that. I could have seen that happening this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I... Because there is talent there. So, and farms is homegrown. But anyways, all right. Grady Sizemore, Cliff Lee. Yeah, that was brutal. It, especially for, with Bartolo Colon. Still playing. <laughs> yeah, still playing to some degree. <laughs> home runs? I don't know, but still playing. <laughs> dedication <laughs> yes all right the last one that i have so this is a nod to break he finds some way somehow to bring this deal up um in like every single episode every single week he does this okay so we're going to talk about john carlos stanton <laughs> certainly with the yankees in case anybody is not aware for those of you who are not okay so first we get we have to go a little bit of the background because he has this massive contract. That's what Brig keeps referring to. And what it was, was the he was with the Marlins and they signed him to this massive deal. Okay. It was like, like 13 years and like a hundred thousand million dollars, something like that. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, I don't know exactly what it was, the, the exact figures. I can, I'm not going to add it up, but it was this massive contract, the biggest at the time. And then suddenly in 2017, the Marlins are like, oh, we don't want to pay him anymore or anybody else on our team. So they traded away a bunch of guys. Traded away Stanton to the Yankees and got Jose Devers, Starlin Castro, Jorge Guzman. Okay. And the Yankees, the Yankees do this, right? They see a guy who he can hit a whole bunch of home runs, pretty good defensively, but they just see those big home runs and their eyes get really big. And they're like, yeah, we got to have this guy. We need him. We need him in our system. And so, so they traded away a bunch of pretty decent players for him. And, man, has he not produced since he's gotten to New York. <laughs> um, Brick basically called him MIA during this season because he said that he was working on his tan all season and trying to get his eyebrows plucked perfectly, which sounds about right based on what we all saw. Um, and then he does he kind have, of, have some epic eyebrows. He does. He almost has the rock eyebrows too. Like if you look at him, you know how the rock's eyebrow like goes up to his hairline. I see. I was gonna say like they were like Joey Lawrence, but that works too. <laughs> oh goodness, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, they they feel more like the rock's eyebrows to me. But like since he's gotten to New York, he got he, his first season with the Yankees in 2018, and he uh, like man, I got. Baseball reference is lagging on me right now. So he only missed two games in in 18. He played 158 games in 18. So he missed four yeah, games. So, yeah, so he missed four games. But then in 2019, he played 18 games. And this year, he played 23 of the 60, which isn't too bad. A lot of guys only played about 20 games or so because of injury. Because there was that weird summer camp, spring training thing that they did. And I don't, right. think, I don't think guys were A, ready for that or B, ready necessarily for the season because of that thing. So I'm fine with him missing some time during this season. But last year played 18 games, but only had three home runs in those 18 games. And then 2018, he went from 59 homers down to 38 in one last game. His, his OPS 
went from 1.007 to 0.852. So I think he's got a, a legitimate gripe. The Starlin Castro was a good player, a good second baseman, and granted they have DJ LeMahieu now, but I think Starlin Castro is a, is a good player. He's a good player for the Yankees. And now you've got this, and you're paying him for that long? I mean, let me scroll down again, but I mean, they've got him on the books until, let's see here. I want to say it's like, yeah, 2028. There's a $25 million team option or a ten, with a $10 million buyout in 2028. Yeah. That's a long time. The Mariners will be World Series champions before that time. So, I mean. <laughs> Bold statement. It's possible the Marlins. <laughs> It's possible the Marlins could be World Series champions by that it time. It's possible. With the way they played this year, they could be World Series champions next year. Like, yeah, and it's because they dumped that Stanton contract and they traded away uh, Christian Yelich when everybody was shaking their heads on Marcelo Zuna. Like, I don't know, man. The Marlins definitely won that trade. The Marlins, I think – the moves that everyone were thinking were questionable have been paying off though for them. I mean, they got rid of, of real Muto. They did. Yeah. That was the other one. I just, just remembered. Yep. And they got Jorge Alfaro from the Phils, who was a, a good catcher for the Phils when he was there. Um, they were making trades to build a, a small market, small money team. And they're mm-hmm. starting to deliver now. They are. Yeah. And it's a little bit frightening, I'll be honest, because I was, I mean, I was killing Derek Jeter. I was actually just like running his name through the mud saying like, he doesn't know what he's doing. This is just absurd. But clearly he knew what he was doing. He had a plan. If you've got a plan that looks silly at the time, I guess it pans out. Because I, I think they hit a year before they're supposed to, honestly. I don't, I don't know that they're necessarily supposed to compete this year, but I think, I think they hit a year ahead of schedule and they're really going to focus on making the moves they need to do need to next year to get them to the next level. I think, I think next year we, we need to see if they're going, if, if, to, if this year was an aberration or if this is the, the trend for this team moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right. It could be an aberration with a short season because they could have fallen off the cliff in month three. Right. Right. So I don't know. I, I mean, they're like, I say it all the time, but they're definitely a team to keep your eye on to see if, the, if they do make the moves or if, like you said, it was an aberration comes out, coming out of Cinderella story, coming out of nowhere. Uh, he used to be groundskeeper and now playing at the Masters. But <laughs> 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 and that could be the Marlins, <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> oh, man. Know. Anyway, <laughs> let's wrap this up before it gets too lengthy and we get too deep into Caddyshack. Um, baseball family thanks for joining us this week uh, especially thank you to Jason for joining me like last minute filling in for Brig um, I, hopefully Brig is back next week but we'll keep you updated on that um, he's, he's got some, some stuff he's dealing with today so we hope that he, uh, he gets back soon but Jason again co-host of the Not Another Sports podcast uh, it's a good list in general sports. If, if you're into all sports, go ahead and take a listen, especially hockey, right? You guys are big hockey guys. Uh, so David's a big hockey guy. Um, David played hockey. Uh, we actually talked about it on the last episode. He played for Hooters. That's right. Yeah. You did talk about his Hooters jersey. <laughs> um, so he, he's a big lifelong hockey fan. I'm a, I'm a baseball fan, obviously. Uh, but we talk, we try to talk all sports. Um, definitely of the thought of just two friends hanging out 
talking sports and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, it's a fun listen. It's, it's, it's a good time. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash not another sports pod. There you go. Go like their, like their page and give them a follow. It's a good time. But baseball family, don't forget to jump on the shop. Nine plus us.com spell it out. N I N E T L U S U S.com. We've got some stuff coming. We, right now we have a Christmas shirt for you. Uh, we call it jingle ball, it's a little ornament, uh, like a baseball. So check it out. You can get that uh, just in time for Christmas season. We have just a couple days actually for you to have guaranteed shipping to have that wrapped and under the tree by Christmas. Make sure you have those orders in by the 10th. If not, uh, it'll probably come after, but who doesn't like a late Christmas present? I know I do. I like it when stuff comes like kind of straggling in a little bit after Christmas. That's, that's fun. Kind of spreads the, continues the Christmas joy. But anyways, go over there and, and find something nice, something you like for yourself or somebody on your list. And don't forget to stop by baseballtogether.com. You can watch the podcast. You can listen to the podcast. You can submit to our mailbag. You can send us an email. You can send topic suggestions, ask us questions about anything, about baseball, about us, whatever you want. If you want to come on the podcast, in fact, drop us a line and let us know. We'd love to have listeners on the podcast talk to you about what it is that you like about baseball. Just talk to you about you. That would actually be a ton of fun. If you want to come on, let us know. We'll make it work. We'll bring you on. It'll be a good time. But baseball family, we hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks again to Jason for joining me last minute, and we will catch you next week. Thank you.